You're listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact Chai, a podcast from Mishkan, Chicago. We're releasing our sermons so that no matter where you were Friday, you can enjoy a piece of Shabbat today. So I'm very excited tonight to welcome our Darshanit, uh, Shahana McKinney-Baldwin. Over the summer, Shahana and I were introduced as Rachel and I and the whole staff really were thinking about, you know, like like so many of us, how to do more and go further and create the kind of diversity in our community that we believe is possible um, and that uh, frankly exists in the Jewish community and that doesn't exist here yet. Um, And so I want to thank Eliza Becker for making that introduction. You know, as an Ashkenazi American-born Jewish woman, there's a lot that I do know, and um, there's even more that I don't know. And I think for many of us, I will speak for myself, the last couple of years have actually, like part of the awakening has been like the revelation of how much I don't know about the experience of people um, of people who are, are different from me and the same as me um, with different life experiences. And so like part of what's going on now, I think, is this like whole waking up of, gosh, there there are a lot of voices that we need to be hearing. Um, and so Shahana and I had two great conversations over the summer that led to an eventual partnership that you're going to be hearing more about between Mishkan and Edot, Midwest Regional me regional diversity Jewish diversity collective, um, and so I'm excited to I'm excited about that. And Shahana will say more about that. Let me just say about Shahana just to like brag, you know, from her CV for a second before before she begins to speak. She she founded Adot, um, and she also holds several appointments at University of Wisconsin Madison School of Education. Um, including Special Assistant for Diversity and Inclusion. She's a longtime educator and trainer who has been an active public education advocate and Jewish diversity thought leader for 20 years. And roles she's had have included Chief Diversity Officer and Director of Family and Community Engagement for large public school districts, as well as Synagogue Education Director and Federation High School Program Director. Um, She is also active on the board of the Reconstructing Judaism. I don't know what you like movement, the movement or the school? Movement. Movement, which is awesome. Um, and so I'm, I'm just so, I'm kind of, I'm just like really excited. I'm excited to learn from you tonight. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rabbi Lizzie. I'm excited too. I'm very moved by your service. I mean, on Zoom. Wow, this is beautiful. And I can't wait to come and visit in person. Hi, Elisa. I know you're out there. Help me get down there as soon as we get to put our masks away. Um, I, like your rabbi, am an Ashkenazi American born woman. I'm also African American. I live in Madison, Wisconsin, so I'm very close by. And um, I'm very honored to be invited to connect here with you tonight 
um, with your wonderful community. I've heard so much about Mishkan from my buddy Aliza, from other folks in the community, from my new colleague Stacy at Mishkan, who's going to be uh, the person who's going to be leading and liaising uh, as we as we launch our our Mishkan work. And um, I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about um, this week's Torah portion, Parashat Vaishlach. The title of my drash is Parashat Vaishlach, what Jacob's wrestling match can teach us about Jewish racial justice work. Alone, anxious, curled in the fetal position, recalling and recoiling from the memories of a similar night years before, scared of what tomorrow might bring. Sure, this sounds like how many of us spent election night, <laughs> but it is also how we imagine Jacob's fitful night before seeing his brother Esau for the first time in years, dreading dawn and the new reality that it would surely bring. Isn't that funny? I have to tell you that I did not make up that line. I want to give a special shout out to Rabbi Rachel Silverman for that opener from a blog post she wrote after the midterm election of 2018. She goes on in that post to make the point that fear is a powerful motivator. And she links Jacob's terror on that night to the transformation he experienced after a wrestling match that changed him, a story that is one of the most famous and most studied of the stories of the Jewish patriarchs. Parashat Vaishlach is a very long parsha, and a lot happens in this parsha. It tells of 28 years of the life of Jacob, grandson of Abraham. Jacob, who lied to his father and stole the birthright from his twin brother Esau, who left town and started a new life. In this Parsha, Jacob has this wrestling match, which we'll talk more about shortly. He gets a new name, Israel. He reunites with his brother Esau. Jacob moves on to Shechem. His daughter Dina is raped. And her brothers, Shimon and Levi, take revenge on the entire town, killing all the men. Rachel gives birth to Benjamin and dies in childbirth. Jacob's father, Isaac, passes away. And Jacob and Esau reunite again to bury him. All of this happens in Parashat Vaishlach. The word Vaishlach means he sent. Jacob sent messengers to Esau. He was planning on coming back home, and he knew he would likely encounter his twin brother Esau. So Jacob did his thing. He manipulated, he hedged his bets, and he sent messengers to Esau, letting him know that he was coming back to town. And then Jacob received word that Esau would come to meet him with 400 of his friends. Jacob panics. He divides his family into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, the other camp might be able to escape. He pleads with God. 
He showers Esau with gifts, lots of gifts, one after the other. And by the time Jacob goes to bed alone on a separate side of the river from where he hid his family, he's really terrified. And then the Torah tells us that overnight, a man wrestled with Jacob until the break of dawn. And when the man saw that he couldn't beat Jacob, he touched Jacob on the sinew of his thigh. And as a result, Jacob developed a limp. Because of this, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket. And then Jacob demands a blessing, and the man declares that from now on, Jacob will be called Yisrael, one who struggled with El, with God. Jewish tradition has always been curious about this man, the, wrestle, the opponent in the wrestling match. Who was he? How did he get there? Why was he there? And who won the wrestling match? Midrash of Kir teaches that this man was actually the angel Michael. Rashi says it was Esau's guardian angel. Chizkuni says it's an angel representative of Esau sent to ensure that Jacob wouldn't flee. Rambam said it was a prophecy. Tzvi Kolitz called the wrestling match wrestling with God. Another view is that there was no man at all, rather that Jacob wrestled with his own conscience for robbing Esau of his birthright. And there's another opinion that says that Jacob didn't actually wrestle anybody. It was a dream. And another opinion holds that the man was Esau himself. And Jacob and Esau worked out their differences physically that night before they had to face each other in the morning. And when they did face each other, by the way, the Torah tells us, they embraced. Esau burst into tears. And Jacob said to Esau that seeing Esau's face was like seeing the face of God. So we have all of these interpretations of who was the wrestling partner that we can choose from. Which one is the correct interpretation? Scholars have argued over this mystery for generations. I believe, and I'm sure many of you will agree, that one of the great beauties of the vastness and complexity of our Jewish text tradition is that of Elu Elu, both and thinking. We can accept that Rabbi Rachel Silverman's interpretation is true and that Rashi's interpretation is also true and that we learn from all of it. So what can we learn from the teachings about the identity of Jacob's wrestling partner that night? And how can we apply these learnings to our shared Jewish work for racial justice in our region and beyond? Let's try on this idea. Jacob wrestled with his own conscience. In our work for racial justice, we must dig deep and face our own inner selves and our feelings of how we've been affected by racism, feelings of any guilt or inadequacy around what we haven't done yet to end racism. Or here's another angle. Jacob wrestled with the person he wronged. We must get really uncomfortable if we're going to do the work of racial reconciliation. We might need to make direct apologies and appeals, and we might even sustain wounds or losses 
when I was practicing and I read this to my teenage son, who you might hear in the background, there are some teenager noises happening over here. He said, or you might have to pay reparations. After all, we uh, have to invest in righting wrongs and we make mistakes when we try new things, but we must not let the mistakes or the potential that we might feel that we will lose something become the excuse to desist from the work. Or how about this approach? Jacob wrestled with God. We have to do hard spiritual work to both wrestle with a God who allows bad things like racism to hurt good people. But we must also not turn our, turn our back on our Jewishness because of our heartbreak about the state of the world or even a decision that we really can't believe in God at all. Rather, we must leverage the great power of our Jewish heritage, no matter what our belief or our feelings about our spirituality in propelling our justice work forward. We can also take up the idea that Jacob wrestled with an angelic or a prophetic image or, or representative of Esau. How do we come to terms with the ghosts of the past, with the ways that ourselves, our families, and other loved ones have been targeted by and or have benefited from racism in the past and in the present day? How do we wrestle with the ghost images of history that manifest day after day in our current reality? Finally, the idea that Jacob didn't really wrestle, he just dreamed the whole thing. Well, he woke up limping from that dream and let us all dream as hard and as passionately and as fiercely about how we will fight for racial justice. After all, as Harriet Tubman herself said, every great dream begins with a dreamer. Are you familiar with Lucha Libre? Mexican professional wrestling. Of course. My, my husband in the background is saying, yes, of course. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> tell, tell him to jump in if I get any of the details not quite right. But my understanding is that many, but not all of the luchado luchadores, the wrestlers, wear masks. These masks have all kinds of significance, including historical significance from the Aztec heritage. Um, and virtually all wrestlers in Mexico will start their careers wearing masks, but over the span of their careers, a large number of them will be unmasked, unmasked at some point. Sometimes it's a wrestler who's slated for retirement and he'll be unmasked in his final bout or at the beginning of a final tour, signifying loss of identity of, of, as that character. Sometimes losing the mask signifies the end of a gimmick with the wrestler moving on to a new gimmick and mask. Um, but the mask is considered sacred to a degree, so much so that fully removing an opponent's mask during a match is considered fighting dirty and is grounds for disqualification. So I'd like to uh, take a cue from Mexican professional wrestling and issue a call to action that we should fight dirty by Mexican wrestling rules in our wrestling matches with racism. We should reach up and yank off the mask 
And what I mean by that is, as we move through our lives, figuring out what is my place, what is my role, what difference will I make in ending racism and in ameliorating its effects in my own life, in my relationships, in the wider community, in the Jewish community, let's train ourselves to do the piece of self-reflection that's about being really cognizant and even planful about who and what we're wrestling with, when and for what purpose. Are we wrestling with our own conscience? Are we wrestling with the system? Are we wrestling with someone we've wronged, with history? And how do we keep wrestling passionately, limping, but never giving up? The wrestling partner is Eluva Elu. It is both and. And on some level, it doesn't matter who the wrestling partner is. Our teachings never came to one decision on this point. We can take the approach, as is suggested by Rabbi Rachel Silverman, that there is no right answer, but that there is a right outcome. Jacob needed to wrestle in order to transform and to reconcile. We must wrestle and maintain our sense of urgency to keep wrestling, to keep transforming, to get to the other side of reconciliation, of equity, of racial justice, of wholeness, of shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, umevarach. And thank you for having me. You've been listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan, Chicago. If you enjoyed this sermon and want to join us live, tune in to Shabbat services through Facebook most Fridays of the month and through Zoom two Saturday mornings a month. Our schedule of services and programs can be found at mishkanchicago.org events, where there's also a link to donate and support our work. And you can visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Mishkan Chicago. Until then, please feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we want to hear from you.